0: Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Find a Wrench. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. Today we're talking with Matt Hecox of Diesel Forward. Matt started his career as a diesel technician and has quickly worked his way up through the ranks with Diesel Forward. I've known Matt for a long time and have been fortunate to be able to witness his career firsthand. I'm looking forward to my discussion with Matt today because he has both a technical background and a management background. As we've talked about in other podcasts and other content that we've put out, the transition from technician to manager isn't an easy one, although Matt has made it seem easy. On top of that, Matt is very active with Skills USA and maintains a strong relationship with their local tech school, Madison College, to which he's an alum. Matt is well known throughout the industry and I'm so happy that to be able to have him on today. Matt, how are you?
1: Hey Jay, I'm doing I'm doing great and and first off, thanks for having me on the podcast here.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad I I'm glad I was able to talk you into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, thanks uh thanks for the introduction and and all that and um yeah, I'm I mean looking back at, you know, my career here you know, 17, 18 years ago, I would have never thought that that I would have gone from a technician to uh, to what I'm doing now, and and um, it's just a testament to to the opportunities in the industry uh, that we've got today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and it, and I can't wait to dive into that. But I do want to start by uh, kicking things off with the virtual expo that you guys are about to put on. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we recently partnered with Diesel Forward on a few different projects, but this one is really, really coming up quick. Uh, Diesel Forward is putting on uh, their 2020 Diesel Expo. Uh, I'll be speaking as a part of the event, uh, Matt. I don't know if you can kind of fill us in a little bit on on what what to expect with the event.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in prior years, we we typically at Diesel Forward hold a number of in person meetings um, with our customers all across the country uh, in different locations. But due to everything going on in the in the world right now with COVID we've had to shift gears a little bit and we're holding our essentially first annual diesel expo, uh, for diesel Ford. And it's not only open to our direct customers, but it's open to the public because it's really, our goal here is a platform, um, to bring great information to anybody that's in the diesel industry, you know, from, from shop owners to shop managers, technicians, um, even end users. Uh, like I said, it, it's open to anybody in the industry and we've got a great lineup, uh, over the course of two days. Uh, the, the expo starts on August 27th, uh, runs through August 28th. So it's just two days hosted virtually. So there's no need to travel anywhere. The, the expo is free to all registrants. So all you've got to do is sign up, um, and you can log on and, and participate into the, any great information we've got from the we've got a couple of industry OEM vendors that we'll be presenting and talking about the the products they offer and the applications they're on and and what new things are coming into the industry, as well as a, a great lineup of technical presentations. Uh, Jay, you being one of them, talking about how how to get good good technicians into your shops, uh, which is a, a big struggle for a lot of people. We've got a few. Technical presentations on um, specific applications uh, in the industry. So, really, just a lot of great information, and that's our goal there with this Diesel Expo is to bring that information to to as many people as we can to to help bolster this this industry.
0: I'm I'm excited for it. I, I've taken uh, I've been a part of a few different kind of dealer meetings that you've had, and and this is definitely a progression of that. So I, I think uh, it'll be really really cool. I've seen the the lineup. Uh, and it's just uh, pretty awesome. Now, where do where do people go to sign up for it?
1: Yeah, you can check it out. Uh, we've got links on our, our Facebook page for Diesel Forward as well as LinkedIn. Been doing a, a bunch of media blasts and and emails and, and things like that. So I'm sure you're going to have it uh, tagged in, in your uh, communications as well, Jay. So for sure. Um, yeah, many different ways to, to sign up and, and get registered for that thing. Another piece that I forgot to mention is along with these seminars and, and presentations that, that people will be putting on, there's also a, a virtual trade show that will be running in the background. So each of these presenters, as well as a number of other vendors that are participating, will be able to go in and, and chat virtually, see products they offer, services they offer, what information that they can bring to help your business.
0: That's awesome. I, I, I'm i really looking forward to it. it it'll... Uh... Be a fun time. See a lot of uh, familiar faces and some new faces as a result of kind of uh, releasing it to the public. I, I think it's uh, it's exciting and, and uh, good for the whole dealer network, the diesel forward dealer network, and just uh, should be a really really cool event. So uh, now on to you. Let's move the focus point on to you. How how did you get into the diesel business in the first place? I, I mean, were were you kind of raised in it, and and really how how did how were you introduced to this?
1: Yeah, essentially I um uh, I just always kinda had a I always kinda liked the the equipment uh side of things. I mean I grew up working on a farm uh that was across the street from where, where my childhood home was. I've worked on a farm since I was in grade school, I think, doing doing odd things and my favorite part about that was operating equipment and, and getting in and seeing how all that stuff worked. And also my family runs a small trucking company and so I've just kind of always been around that that construction side of the industry Uh, and everything in that is is diesel of course and since I didn't want to drive a truck for a living um, (laughs) I decided the next best thing was uh, to get in and start repairing these things and again just because the the family business was too small to to have a full-time technician I I went to school to to be a tech here at uh, Madison College and got a job at a local at one of the local uh, class 8 dealerships and, and worked there while I was going through school and and uh, for a couple of years after I, I graduated school that's what I did it was uh, class a class 8 trucks you know cat cummins detroit um, just repairing any, anything and everything on those on those trucks um, and then I, I saw an opportunity with with diesel forward and just kind of looked at that and and you know being a being a younger technician and not really knowing, uh, where the future would go for, for myself, you know, might be narrow focus, things like that. Just, just not a lot of experience going. My only option here to progress is to be the, the service manager in the, in that dealership. Yeah. And there's 30 other technicians that are, you know, that's the one step for them as well. And so I looked at uh diesel forward and, and they're a, they're a business that's got a little bit more diversity from the number of things that they do. Um, so I took an opportunity with them and again, it was just to go into their, their shop and work as a technician. And I did that for, for a couple years and quickly transitioned there and started to see some of the opportunities. And one thing I'd say with that is, is, what I've learned is there, there's a lot of opportunities no matter who, who you work for or where you work in this industry. Um, and that's why I said maybe I was a little young to, to make that jump due to that that thought process. But as I've progressed in the industry now and, and the people that we interact with from, from other customers to independent repair shops to even dealerships and things like that, um, good diesel technicians have endless opportunities for what they can do and where they can go uh, within those companies and, and really anywhere in the industry. So. I progressed into a department that we have in Diesel Forward. That's a technical support team, and really the the purpose of that group is to help support other shops just like ourselves. Because, like I say, I, I started with an an OEM dealer, and Diesel Forward is in the independent aftermarket, and so we're not really affiliated with a dealer. And those shops to keep keep full and keep things going, you you can't turn anybody away. You know, in, in our shop, you could see a range from a diesel passenger car, diesel pickup trucks, class eight trucks, you know, off highway equipment, ag, industrial, stationary power generation, you know, anything and everything, you know, and, and to, to really run in that segment, you just, you can't turn work away. So um, it's always something new uh, which is, which is really cool. But then that's where our technical support team came in is all of our customers and and industry partners that we deal with are exactly the same and some of them are smaller some of them are larger but they may get something in today that they've never seen before Um, and our technical team is a group that they could reach out to and just go hey you know I got this piece of equipment in and we've never touched one of these you know you guys got any info on this do you know anybody that's worked on them before you know that type of stuff so that's really where that team comes in and and I made the transition into that group you know with a with the idea of, you know, just wanting to help other techs that were just like myself, um, getting better and and getting those jobs done and and out the door and things like that. And then as the as the company's expanded, I've I've had the opportunities through those experiences and dealing with these customers and and different partners to have the chance to progress even further. And my current role right now is is director of service and technical support. So. I I oversee that technical team that we have, but also leadership of all of our service locations uh, that we have across the country, uh, which is, you know, standing on, you know, looking at it and having a conversation like this just makes you go, wow, you know, it's a lot.
0: I I was just a technician,
1: you know, I went to tech school to be a technician and and the rest is experience and, and things like that. So.
0: So did you, when you were coming out of school, did you, you strike me as somebody that might have had options of going to a four-year school or going and doing something like that, uh, unlike me. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really have that opportunity. Did, did you ever look at going the four-year out? You
1: know, I did, actually. And, you know, the, the engineering side of things is really what kind of piqued my interest on that side and ultimately ended up, making the decision you know as a kid at the time really looking at it going that probably just means sitting by behind a desk yeah. you know for the for the rest of my life and and at that time I was like I I don't know that I can do that now as obviously as I've progressed I sit behind a desk a lot more <laughs> often than than not anymore but you know and that's a lot of people now uh with what we've dealt with over the the past few months but um you know yeah, it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting story and and yeah, I I'm glad I did it, that's for sure.
0: So how how did you it's it's interesting because we we talk with a lot of uh people that have made that transition from technician to management. What did you see was kind of the most difficult part of that? Because you were you went into the office pretty quick, right? You went from being a tech like you said a couple years and then going into the office directly what was your biggest challenge in kind of making that that adjustment?
1: Yeah, I, I spent about eight years uh, as a tech before moving into into the office position, and I would say the the biggest thing I'd I point out is that you know, in and my mindset was the same way. You know, you're you're a tech out there every day. You're you're punching in. You're you're doing work all day long you know physical labor basically all day long in the heat in the cold different things like that and um you see the people in the office you know you even if it's your service managers or, or or whoever yeah yeah i mean the <laughs> office job right they've got it easy in there and they, you know my mindset was the same way and while granted i would say my transition initially into the office wasn't overly difficult i think one thing that helped was just the mindset of the job i was moving into was to help other techs get get stuff done and well I definitely wouldn't sit here and say that I'm, you know, the expert and and know the answer to every question but you know you deal with people of of all different levels they they might be brand new to it and and need help with the basics to a very seasoned veteran technician that's been doing the job for 25 30 years but they're just stuck in a spot, you know, and, yeah. and just being able to keep yourself in that mindset that, you know, it's not a stupid question just cause I know the answer, you know, this person needs help and I'm going to get them helped out. And, and guess what, if we can help them, you know, that gets them, gets them going and keeps their business moving and, and builds that partnership. And, and that's really what, what helped there. Again, that, that transition into management was probably the more, difficult one you know not not initially the the shop to the office but the non-management to management side of things Um, and again I would say I'm not an expert at it that's for sure (laughs) so there's a a lot of stuff I think I could do a lot better but each day you just look at it I think and, and go all right you know what didn't go so great yesterday and how can we do it better today
0: what was the hardest part like was it the 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 having those difficult conversations piece or having, you know, setting expectations or just the general leadership side, like what what was the most challenging piece for you?
1: I would say the, um, the scariest piece or the, the, the piece that made me the most nervous were those difficult conversations. And it's never easy. And especially the first couple times you run into it, it's definitely not easy. But really experience with those helps a lot. Because at the end of the day, again, just like I talked about somebody needing help, you know, you get a difficult conversation. It's because they've got something that didn't go the way they expected. And acknowledging that you understand that, mm-hmm. but all right, the past is the past. What can we do to, to get moving on? Really, really help that. But then what quickly became the most challenging for me is, you know, as a technician, as a technician that I think did a, did a good job and then moving into a position that, that really, again, was focused on getting stuff done, you know, helping, helping these people directly uh, with each instance and, and uh, things like that, moving to that management role where you can't be the one that does it all. You know, you've got to, you've got to look at your team and you've got to, you know, build your team and, and, and build them up and build their confidence that they can get it done as well Uh, and, and not getting bogged down with, with trying to do everything yourself, you know, I, I would definitely categorize myself as a per- perfectionist, yep. and that's tough to kick. You, you can't have the mindset of I've got to do it because that's the only way I know it's going to get done right. you know that that's definitely a tough tough one and and I'm not totally there yet
0: <laughs> no, and you're you're not alone because as you know you're as a tech, you're focused on fixing the problem in front of you. and if you see that there's a problem and it's really easy just to go fix the problem, rather than just try to sit down and instruct somebody to go through it. It, It's a lot easier at the time, but I think what a lot of, especially the people with uh, technical background going into that manager seat, uh, don't see is that the more often you do that, the less often, the the more often it's going to be relied on you to actually go get it done rather than teaching that person uh, that you're leading to be able to take the ball and run with it. And even if it's a temporary setback then, you're setting yourself up for failure if you just try to take everything on yourself and, and it really causes a lot of burnout in our industry. I mean, just taking it on your own shoulders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, and what we lose there when we do things like that. And I've, I've, you know, had it happen to me as well. You know, you're, you, you're not building up and, and helping those other individuals grow. You know, you, there may be times where you feel like you're protecting them from, something that maybe you don't think they need to deal with or, or whatever, but, you know, giving them the opportunity to get that problem solved um, just helps them grow as well and, and keep moving. So,
0: yeah. And I, I think even from a non-technician standpoint, um, the, the folks in the office often see it when uh, they get chewed up by a customer for the first time, or they, you know, they, they have to take some heat that they're not usually, you know, they're normally shielded from, and uh, coaching them through something like that, and how to have a a good frank conversation with somebody on you know whether it's an estimate that's way higher than the customer was thinking it would be, or some unexpected news to a customer, being able to coach them through that piece, and especially I, from my experience, bringing somebody in with a technical background to teach them that side of it was such a such a tough piece and such an important piece because they're not used to. You know, they can write up whatever estimate they want or do whatever they want and send it off. and They don't have to talk to anybody. And when they are on the front lines talking to those people, that cushy office job doesn't seem as cushy <laughs> anymore. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So let's talk about uh, kind of the, the point of the subject today or the subject that we, we want to discuss today, which is if you're a young person or even if you're somebody that's been in the industry for a long time, why in the world would you wanna get into this business? Or maybe why would you wanna stay in this business? And and it's obviously been hit numerous times over and over again that there's a technician shortage. Everybody's probably sick of hearing about it, but you've got an interesting perspective in that. You started off as a technician and grew through the ranks. And if you were to look at yourself and give yourself advice now on entering the, the industry, obviously it's worked out pretty well for you, what would be your take on giving advice to a younger Matt Hecox or uh, somebody that's uh, looking at going into the diesel program at MATC or, you know, wherever it's at about why, why this industry is attractive or really why would you want to go work in this business?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, the technician shortage in general has touched on all the time and, and um maybe a boring subject, but really yeah. that's where you gotta start. I mean, yeah, there there are endless opportunities to be a tech um throughout the industry and in every region of the country, um, with every type of industry from from the automotive sector to, to off highway and, and all things like that. So A to the security to know when you when you start a program like that, I mean, for the most part, any person starting a program at a technical school or, or whatever it may be, they basically got a job before they even start school. Yeah. Um I mean and and really to to give that example of myself again, when I when I started the program, I started working for that dealership two months before school started. I went to just check out a few options like, hey, I'm starting school and wondering what's out here and, and what we can do. And when I walked in they said, Oh, you're starting? Well when can you start work? <laughs> and I was like, Well I I can start Monday if you want, you know, and yeah, yeah, you're, you're hired. All right. We, we need people. And if you're going to go through the program, you know, we'll, we'll help train you as well. And and that's really one of the cool things to to be able to run through a program like that and learn on the job along with the academic side of it. Um, There's no better experience there, but yeah, that's what gets somebody in the door, right? You're, you're in the industry now and you've got that solid foundation that, you've got a job, you know, you can, you can move, you know, you can, you can get going and and you don't have to worry about, you know, all right, I'm going to go through four years, six years of school. And now start trying to figure out, you know, is somebody hiring for, for what I'm, what I went to school for and things like that, you know, to, to just get that solid foundation started is, is a really cool thing about this industry. That's for sure.
0: Well, I think it allows you the ability to pivot a little bit too, right? It's not, I, I use this example quite a bit, but I've got friends that are pharmacists. When you go to be a pharmacist, you've got a load of student loan debt, most likely, and you're making a really, really good living. But my pharmacist friends, and this is when I say friends, plural, absolutely hate their jobs and you're stuck. Like there's there's not a whole lot that you can do and just say, hey, you know what? I wanna go try something different because you've you your training has been, uh, you know, you're a basic, you're a doctor uh and you're stuck and it it's a miserable feeling i it, i i just look at my friends that have been in that situation and I'm, i don't envy that one bit they make a great living but uh i've got one friend that is a true outdoorsman and he's a pharmacist and just absolutely despises it so i i i think there's some some value to being able to pivot there uh you know when we talk about reasons to get into the industry the opportunity that's out there, as long as you have that solid foundation and and that solid uh, understanding of not only the technical side but the industry in general, there there are so many opportunities. Whether it's through a diesel forward and OEM or you know whoever it is, there's there's just a, an abundance of opportunities. So I think I think that's a that's a really uh, really valid and key point, Matt on on the opportunity that's out there to start off with is just huge. Um,
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would totally agree. You know, I mean, a, to, to get in, you know, as a technician, it's, it's a guarantee. Um, And then the opportunities that come up after that, I mean, for, for any good technician that, that has a few years of experience under their belt. I mean um, I took the path that, that I described um there's endless other paths that that a good technician can take to you know what what you'd traditionally think of is you know going from a technician to a to a shop foreman to a shop manager type of path if that's what interests you and and you want to do the other thing i see many um technicians that progress into sales roles which can yeah. have huge opportunities for them personally and professionally as well i mean if you you think about um, people coming into a shop to talk about uh, talk about selling, you know, products or equipment or vehicles or whatever the case. If you've got somebody that's got experience as a tech and knows how those things operate and and what works, what doesn't, to talk to you about why you should utilize that product in some, instead of something else, that that's so much more valuable uh, than a a lot of of respect. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, And then uh, I look at a company like diesel forward. I mean, you know, we do distribution of parts. So there's, like I said, sales opportunities for for people that want to go that route. We also do a lot of remanufacturing of products in our facility. So we've got uh, production technicians, we've got production uh, managers, engineering teams, that are working on new products that we need to bring or, or things like that. So yeah, there's just, there's just so many opportunities and, and routes that you could go and really that foundation that you build as a, as a technician supports any of them.
0: Yeah. And I, I give, well, at Diesel Forward, it was Diesel Injection. And when I worked there, uh, Diesel Injection Service back in the day and I give Diesel Forward a lot of credit for my professional growth because, and, and really honestly, even being in the industry, because when, when I really was struggling as a tech and then I got knee surgery, I I didn't really know what my next move was going to be. And I was actually thinking about going back to school because I had no idea what I was going to do next. And, and I remember applying to diesel injection, uh, somebody, uh, or I saw the ad in the paper, kind of crazy how much we've changed since then, but saw the ad in the state paper. And I'm like, they want somebody that can talk about parts and, and talk about like just technical stuff. And, like I can do that. Like that sounds pretty awesome. And so once I got my foot in the door and then you start to gain confidence in it. And I was lucky because I got to join a, a great organization like that, where they, they really instill confidence in you. And they really kind of uh, really, I don't know, they give you the training to be able to understand it. And this isn't a, a pitch for diesel forward necessarily, but just in general, like me growing up, I had no idea that that was even an option. I didn't know that there were jobs like that, that were out there. And it might've just been me being naive from a, a small town, but I, I get the feeling there's a lot of techs that don't understand the opportunity that's out there.
1: Yeah, I would say definitely. I know I didn't, you know, when, when I started in the industry, I really uh, going to school and starting work, I would have, if I could have looked to the future, I would have thought, you know, if I can eventually be the service manager you know I I will have succeeded and and reached the potential of of where I can go with this career path but you know it it didn't take very long of of being in the in the industry and and yeah I'll give the pitch to diesel forward as well to to opening my eyes and and providing opportunities to to really see and interact with so many different facets of the of the industry and see what the what the opportunities are and it's it's really endless and wherever you want to take it
0: yeah for sure so talk to me a little bit yeah you've got dealership versus independent experience and and maybe more so from the viewpoint of a young tech that's out there or uh, maybe you've got a 20-year tech that's like okay i want to go from the oe side to the independent side or the independent side to the oe side what are some differences between the two and and in the trucking world and i guess i shouldn't say trucking but in the diesel world what are the major different uh, differences between maybe dealer uh location versus independent?
1: Yeah, I mean I would say, you know, the the biggest one and most obvious one is is going to be what you're working on. You know, what the variety the day might bring. You know, if you're if you're working for a class A dealership, you know, 90% of your day is probably most mostly going to be filled with that that make, you know, that that same engine. That type of stuff. So, I mean, if if you like consistency and and getting really really good at one thing in particular, you know, that's that's probably a, a good route uh, in the independent aftermarket side. Well, there are there are different facets. I mean, we we deal a lot of, with a lot of independent shops that they're primarily focused on, say, pickup trucks, for instance. So they're gonna dabble in in probably all the makes, the the big three of the of the pickup trucks, but it's really mainly pickup trucks, and then you take a, a shop like ours, where, like I like I touched on before, we'll we'll work on anything as long as it's got diesel in the fuel tank. Um, we'll bring it in our shop and and we'll work on it. So just the the amount of variety that you get um, just keeps keeps the day new uh, every time. So yeah, those are those are some of the key differences that that I would say.
0: Yeah. So. Say if you're a a tech and you've got kind of an idea of what your personality style is and what you like or what you prefer, do you think you can make a judgment call on uh, going to a dealership versus an an aftermarket shop or an aftermarket shop versus a a dealership? Like you said, you talked about the consistency part. Maybe that might drive you towards a dealership, uh, whereas maybe more of the variety and the challenges coming from the aftermarket side. Uh, Can you, I think there's some level of text could be comfortable in either. Uh, but is it is there anything from a mentality standpoint where you look back and say, OK, I went to the aftermarket and it was good because it fit my personality style in general?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say um, I, I look at that and go me moving to the aftermarket was good more from the perspective. I don't know if it was as much about my my personality style. But, from the experience that i had uh with the oem dealership versus the experience I've had into in the independent aftermarket here it seems it seems from my view that there the opportunities were more in the independent side somewhat because possibly they they have to be to to succeed as as businesses, you know not a franchise dealership that that type of thing, although you could throw some variables in there too with the, with the vast array of dealership groups that are out there. You've got a, you've got a few of those in the, in the OE dealership side of things that they are, they are huge it, and yeah they've got a lot of opportunities to, you know, their own training centers and, and things like that. That's something I didn't touch on, you know, as another potential opportunity to, to take a route from being a good tech to, to transition, to be a trainer. I mean, that's, that's another spot where, you know, we, we can never get enough of that as well. So that, that, that what I would describe. Um, my experience was, was more related to what I felt the opportunities were, but again, you know, I, I really don't know if I could pin it down and say, you know, all right, if, if this is what you like, you need to go that route. If, if that's right. what you like, you need to go that route on the flip side, you know, you touched on being, being kind of pinned down. Um, once you're in this industry, you're not pinned down you're always needed somewhere. So if you, if you get in a spot that, that you're not too happy with or or don't see it going the way you want, you've definitely got opportunities to, to move and shift and, and do other things. That's for sure.
0: You you hit on an interesting point there that I think is, is something that uh, maybe a smaller shop really needs to dive into a little bit more uh, to be competitive. And, and you work with different types of shops from all over, all over the country from you know, very small to like decent sized shops. Uh, one thing that I, th- I, that I commonly see is the difficulty of a small shop being able to portray that, that ability or the opportunities that could be out in front of a tech that comes in, right? And I don't know if you'd have any insight into how a smaller shop might paint an opportunity or paint a, a picture for career growth but one, I think it's extremely important that a, that a shop do it regardless of your size, and if you're smaller, really articulating what what's great about you and and what's great about working for, uh, you know, Joe's Diesel Repair. You know, what what is what are some common themes that maybe you see in a smaller shop that could be really enticing to a a, a young me, Matt Hecox when he's coming out of school?
1: Yeah, I would say you know if, if going into a smaller shop, one of the key things that I would be interested in knowing, um, going into it at this point would be what, what their thought process is related to, you know, growth of that business, you know, is, is that shop owner satisfied with the the size of the shop, the the size of the customer base, the, the amount of work they're getting on a daily basis and just like, okay we're we're good we don't need to do more than this you know that that might be something at this point that that I would shy away from but on the flip side, if you're going and and you've got management or ownership of a shop where they're always interested in what's new you know what's coming out what's what's coming down the road you know a smaller independent shop they're not seeing vehicles until they're five six seven years old right so, what we're working on today uh, and what, what's being produced today from from the OE manufacturers is, is not what we're going to see tomorrow. We're going to see that three, four, five years from now. But a shop that's interested in that and what tooling they need, what training you might need, things like that kind of shows you that, that that shop really wants to progress and, and, and keep growing and, and do better, you know, year over year and things like that. And that's a shop that's going to have opportunities for you because it's it's always coming, it's always changing, um, and as long as they're willing to in, invest in the business and invest in their in their techs and and employees, the that's where the opportunities are going to come.
0: So, what what questions can a technician ask? And and like so, I think I I remember coming in as a young professional, or you know coming in as a young tech, and then going into uh, more of office roles, and I was just so grateful that anybody would give me a chance to work for them in the first place. That I didn't ask any questions. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what are some questions that a tech should ask? Like, what, what is a maybe a question that uh, you look back and wish you would have asked when you were coming into the business? You know, it, it, I think that's a it's a loaded question because there's so many things that I didn't ask that I probably should have, but I was so terrified of asking any question that I just didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them, I think, um, first off would be related to training and education. You know, I'm going to say going into this, you're probably a tech that's, let's say gone to tech school. So you've done the the two, one, two, three years, you know, however, however long that program is you've done that type of basic technician training. But like I touched on things change, you know, it seems like every year there's something new coming out, you know, after treatment is, is a major, major topic and has been for a number of years and and it's continuously changing. Fuel systems are changing uh, to help meet emissions and stuff like that. So asking questions of that, that person that you're you know potentially interviewing with or or able to talk to with that business is what do they do to keep their technicians and and their company on the forefront of of being educated on on what's coming up and and what they need to they need to know and they need to work on because i think that's one of the biggest ones that'll show you that they're they're willing to invest to make you better you know is is being able to you know get you set up with engine training or, or whatever trainings it might be to, to keep you um, on the forefront of what's coming through. So continuous education and training is is one of the key questions I would ask. And the other one again would be, you know, what are what are they doing to continue to invest in, in the shop itself? You know, as far as not every technician is can walk in or, or should walk in with, you know, scan tools and specialty engine tools and and different things like that so what does that shop do to make sure that you've got what you need you know aside from your your typical technician you know tool set that the to make sure that you can work on what's coming in the door and and do it efficiently
0: those are those are great points and uh, do you ever how, how do you look at it say if if you were to interview and this doesn't even necessarily mean just a technician but an employee in general and they come armed with questions is it a uh, how do you view that applicant i
1: think that's hugely positive in an applicant um you know to to have somebody come in that's really got some you know intel- intelligent questions to ask that are that are meaningful and it shows you that they've got some drive and they want to know all right I, I know i can walk in today and go in your shop and work on stuff okay but what's it going to look like next year the year after that you know how are we going to continue to get better? And and if they've got the, the drive to come in with some of that and have some of those questions that that really make sense and show that they're interested in 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 what the future holds, um, you got potential there. That's for sure.
0: Well, from a technician standpoint, I think really listening to their answer too, right? Listening to that manager's answer of how they how they articulate their answer. If if they just pass it off and say. Ah, uh, yeah, we're going to cover that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you taken care of. It, that would be kind of a red flag to me, right? Like if they if they just kind of pass it along. So, uh, you know, I say in a lot of, of things too, where it's gotten to the point where the interviewee is interviewing the interviewer as much as anything because there's such a, a, a need for these texts. So, really listen carefully to how they articulate it back. Make sure, as a technician, you ask the questions in a professional manner don't come in and insult the shop owner whatsoever or the shop manager whoever it is but really ask a a really nice thoughtful question and then listen to their response because i think listening to that initial response will really help you understand what you're getting yourself into uh whether good or bad and and if they want to engage in conversation with you maybe that means that your personalities really align well or if um if there's just uh, something that strikes you as odd about the response, then you might either want to ask another follow-up question or, or uh, do something. But the big thing is ask the questions and then listen to actually hear what they say. Uh, I think that can help. Oh, you out definitely.
1: I would, I totally agree with that for sure.
0: Yeah. So where, where do you see the industry going? And I, I know that's a loaded question. Uh, obviously with diesel uh, electric, uh, gasoline, like there's just natural gas, like there's so many different types of, of drive systems that are out there. What do you see with the diesel world moving forward?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to appropriately answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. That's a very good question. I think it's a very good question that, that nobody really has an answer to yet. And, and I think it'll continue to evolve in the, in the years to come. I mean, definitely. I mean, we know uh, whether it be diesel or or gasoline or or whatever fuel types being used, you know, electric is the, is the huge topic of conversation right now. And, and there's all kinds of work going on related to electric being used in medium and heavy duty vehicles and and even some off-road stuff. And it's going to be there. I definitely don't have any worry for myself that, that that's gonna overtake the diesel industry in the in the time that I'll be in it. Could it could it eventually? I I definitely wouldn't disagree, but I think we'll see a lot of transition before it really completely changes the industry. I mean, they're from hybrid applications and, and things like that, but just that's where that's where I, I feel like diesel is safer than gasoline from that perspective. At this point we've got electric cars, right? But when you start looking into diesel and go all right the amount of cargo that that truck's got to haul across the country or equipment that's out there moving the, moving the earth and, and different things like that, I mean that's a lot of work that's a lot of work to get done and, and diesel's the best way to get it done right now. Um, you know again, like I say, that'll that'll change over the years, I think, but it'll be a, it'll be a long-term transition. And along with that, you know, you're being in the industry that we're in. I think the the companies will transition with it as well. You know, yeah. Where are you going to see companies like our own, like like Diesel Forward, where it's it's diesel focused right now? But we're we're looking at that and and we're thinking about what does the future hold? And and are are there different avenues that you start to get into as that tra- transition begins? Just to to keep yourself diversified and, and be able to change with the times. I mean, you got to be able to change and shift as things progress and, and that's what we'll do.
0: Well, as a, uh, (laughs) <laughs> after watching the human evolution and how hard and stubborn it is for change amongst all of us, I, I think diesel is probably going to be around for a, while, a, a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, And and there is some level of, I mean, if you look at what diesel was 20 years ago uh, from when, you know, I really got into the business to now it's such a different, I mean, it's such a different product or a, a different, uh, a different industry, right? Like it's, I mean, you guys have Alliant Power, you've you have got uh, some other different diesel focused things, but there's also that electrical component that's already kind of there. And I think if they're working hand in hand together, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity for that moving down the road on top of the millions and millions of diesel powered vehicles and, and machinery that are out there already. I, I think there's, we've got a long, long road to go with diesel. And and I know the reason I asked the question, Matt, was I've seen some things on whether it's YouTube or Facebook where a tech will go on and, and play the newest video, the latest, greatest, latest, greatest like Tesla video or something like that and say, oh my gosh, there's no wear parts. It's ever, uh, there's going to be no more technician jobs. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, we're still a long way away from that. And And even with that, there's some level of just adapting to working on a new thing, right? They still need to be fixed. And and a lot of those problems might be even more complex than what they are right now. So maybe from, from that end, do you see maybe a a reason for a tech to freak out over the change that's coming or are we, are we sitting all right right now?
1: I, I, you make a good point there about, about the change over the years and, and how things are different and, I definitely wouldn't freak out in in the the situations that we're sitting in right now. I mean, you think back to you know some of the older diesel applications and and what used to be done to these things. You know, if you you take the engine specifically and go people had regularly scheduled, you know, main bearing replacements and and we're just replacing the injectors because they got you know, x amount of miles on them and and stuff like that, and go. All right, now we are getting more and more sophisticated, and we don't need to do that anymore. We're we're not running out of stuff for technicians to do. <laughs> you know, that's for not sure. Not anytime soon. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. You know, there's there's more and more all the time that that's needed, and and like you say, I mean, even if you go to the extreme and go, all right now it's now it's electric powered. I mean, it's it's still got wiring. It's still got 80 control modules on it and, and sensors everywhere and things like that. I mean, it's, there's going to be fault codes. There's going to be issues and and different stuff to do. So no, I don't think, I don't think technicians have to worry at all at this point about becoming obsolete. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Well, we're, we're running up on our hour here, Matt. Um, I want to thank you for being on uh, and hopefully I believe the first podcast, right?
1: Very first one. Very first well, you, one. You
0: killed it. You did a really, really good job. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to have you on again at some point here and, and talk about, I, I think there's about a million different things that you and I could talk about here. So uh, appreciate you being on and and for everything you do for the industry and your participation and skills and, and your participation and really connection with the school. I, I think uh, you do a lot to help us kind of carry the next generation of diesel people forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and Jay, thanks for the thanks for your opportunity to to come out here, and uh, yeah, hopefully I did a good job, and maybe one last shout out for for everybody watching to to join the Diesel Expo coming up here on August twenty seventh. I,
0: I are now are you emceeing the entire thing? No, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just thought it was going to be great. I thought uh, you were going to emcee the entire thing. <laughs>
1: No, I'll be I'll be uh, introducing a few of the technical presenters, but we'll have a we'll have a few different people from Diesel Forward that'll that'll participate in in emceeing
0: that. So that uh, that sounds great. Uh, we'll uh, we'll put some uh, information out in the show notes as well, so that uh, anybody that wants to go check it out uh, can get registered. Uh, I know Diesel Forward. I've known Diesel Forward for a really really long time. They've never put on a uh, a. They always put on a top-notch event, and I'm, I'm expecting no different this time. It, it'll be great. So uh, thanks again, Matt, uh, and we'll talk to you soon.